up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lease and Learn. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my guest today, stand-up comedian, filmmaker, overall just great human in general, Mr. Ryan Long. What's up, buddy? Hello. Yeah, you got a fancy uh, producer doing all your stuff for you. I've been... Uh... <laughs> The, all yeah. of that stuff, I'm like so terrible at, but I got forced to do it all, and it just stress. It's it. It legitimately makes you thirty percent less funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having yeah. all that nonsense in your brain. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a technologically sound person. <laughs> no, I'm not at either. All. I'm. I. I tried. I was. I like started to try to learn stuff, and then I was like, it'd be just easier if I had somebody that knew what they were doing. So. It just made way more sense, you know? I had to become that against my... I, I'm going to hire, like, a producer to do... Because even just, like, doing all the clips and all this stuff. But just from the amount of stuff that I'm naturally terrible at that I had to work really hard to get, like, mediocre at is... And I still... I'm like, Every... Once every two weeks, I release a video with, like, spelling errors. Or once I just... Like, once I ripped, like, a 30-minute file and uploaded it, so it was just a five-minute video, and then there's 25 minutes at the end. <laughs> I'm just black <laughing laughs> screen. Dude, I do stuff like that so often. It's terrible. Man, so how when did you start learning that kind of stuff? Like how how long have you uh, been doing that now? Well, all the audio, like all this new podcasting version is fairly new for everyone, I think. But I was I've been making videos since I was like really young. Yeah, but even that. So I I just remember, you know, just the when I think back to some of the worst days of my life, none of them are to do with girls or anything like that. The worst days of my life are uh, looking at Final Cut Seven before the codex would work, and just like just yelling at my computer and just being. I remember one time I go, I'll just buy a new computer. I thought that would solve my problem, and it didn't. And just having like deadlines for things, and just sitting in the. Uh, those are some of the worst moments of my life. But then yeah. now, uh, then I had then everyone switched to Premiere, and I basically had to do it all over again. But um, I started making videos when I was kind of like a teenager. What was the first? Uh, what was your first video you ever made? Well, the first videos, no, they never got edited because me and my fr we, I was huge into filming, bothering people on old cameras. But you would just take the videos and you would hook it up to your TV and you would play it for everyone like that. So right. it would be unedited footage. You'd be filmed. I guess what now people would do with their phone or whatever. But I, we would film all this crazy stuff. I remember one of the original ones was we we took uh, stole our parents' car and then we would do like an eighty point turn in front of a bus and the and just it was all like we thought we were Tom Green kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Right. But right. wild stuff like that. But I think the first video I put on the internet when I was, you know, probably in high school still was, there was these construction workers outside of my house and they'd been there. There was a tree that fell and there was nine construction workers all just standing there looking at the tree. And I cut that, uh, I cut a, I was filming them through my window and I cut that to taking care of business. And that, was, that went viral on my group of 10 friends. <laughs> the original viral. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, yeah, I remember I had a, I had a camera, uh years years and years ago that you could edit but on the camera like you could you could just oh, yeah. you had That's to like back function. it up oh it was i remember that we did like these these like character sketches one time and i just we filmed for like two hours and then it was like four days of trying to trying to edit in the camera yeah in the camera <laughs> oh yeah. man you'd have to terrible. save yeah, it was like you couldn't save it because it wasn't a file. You just like closed the camera and turned it back on. It was like wherever you left off. Oh, oh it was my God. Yeah, it was. Brutal. That's why I have. Uh, that's why I have Dan now. It's for every comedian basically like had to become an astronaut in the last three years. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. That's but one of the things I got lucky with is that I spent, you know, a crazy amount of years get like learning to be a good filmmaker or whatever. And then that sort of randomly became important for being a comedian. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? I mean, like that, that world of the, the DIY of this whole industry now is like the, the way that it is like years ago, people were almost shunned for like, like, remember Dane Cook, Dane Cook was like, the original the first, MySpace guy, yeah. Yeah, and people were like, oh, he got 
famous from the internet and he's not a real comedian <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know he oh he just sat around all day like messaging people and and now it's like you're shunned if you're not doing that you're if yeah you're it is not- a little bit the opposite though i i do see you know some celebrity or whatever because internet's very like are you good now right so there's a lot of people that are famous and then you kind of watch the things they're putting online and it gets like no interaction and you go you have to actually consistently be good. It's like they're a uh, athlete that still has to play. You know what I mean? You can't just be like, oh, remember I was Michael Jordan. You still have to like play in the games. So the, these right. people put their stuff on and if people don't like it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't resonate or whatever. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's such a crazy uh, uh, shift that's happened in the last few years in the uh, in the industry. But a great you know, great for opening doors, you know, more, I feel like more doors are open because it's up to us now to, to open them. I mean, you're a perfect yeah, example. Centralized. I see. I always have this conversation with people because, uh, like stand up videos is a little less, but stand up's one of those things where if you, people that were good at everything, try stand up and it still takes like whatever amount of years to get good. Even if you were just, you know, the person that was an overachiever your whole life, like this still were videos a little less, but it still takes, you know, time to figure out all that stuff. So it's always funny when people kind of ask me questions like, you know, what kind of, you know, like uh, when you make those videos, like what's the cameras you use or what do you edit it? And it's like the equivalent of like a stand up being like, so when you, how do you hold the microphone? But they've never even, you know, been on stage. It's like, I mean, here's what I recommend. Go back in time to when you're 15 and then start making videos and then do that every day for 20 years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. If you can figure that out, then you're golden. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta basically decide like, this is going to be a project of something that, but I would say it's better that way. Like the, I know a lot of people that, you know, blew up on YouTube and have big channels and they want to, they've started doing stand up, and I feel almost like bad for them because it's, these people are popular. They have a pretty hectic like schedule for themselves. They've got all these fans. And then on top of that, they don't have, so they're going to try to get good at stand up in the mix of that. So you like you, everyone at the very least had a few years if you're like good at stand up where literally that's all you thought about, you know what I mean? You kind of went to sleep thinking about it. And I think it, you need at least some period of that. Whereas, uh, with, with standups, I think you can kind of get good at video and while you're doing other stuff. But, uh, with those people, it's like, they basically have like a 60 hour week job and everyone's paying attention to them and everyone's going to be watching their stand up quick. It's very hard, difficult for probably to do it, to get good at stand up when you're popular from doing videos. Like even when I, this year has been like super hectic and I've been like out on tour doing hours again. And I honestly feel kind of uh, grateful. I'm like, fuck, I'm lucky that I had the, you know, 10 years or however many years it's been uh, before, you know, it's like this where things are too hectic to like actually get good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and how, how did you find it? Like once you were able to go back, did you go back right away to the states that started opening up first and just hit those as soon as possible? I kind of, yeah, I basically took off the very first part where I, when everyone, when everything shut down, I was the same as everyone where it was just went like just focused on other stuff and whatever, lived a normal life, which I always say was kind of funny because you do the first few weeks of like watching TV at night and stuff. And you're just like, oh, this is way better than that that life I've been doing. Like that is an <laughs> un- unappealing life doing stand-up comedy. But then I started touring like pretty quickly. So I was, cause a lot of places never closed down, right? In America. So I feel bad for what's like the way it is in Canada right now. Cause I, I so maybe four or five months, but pretty quickly I started doing stand-up and there was a lot of like underground stuff even happening here. So I, I started doing stand-up and then I started touring properly probably uh, like eight months after a pandemic. And then I moved to Miami for a while and everything's completely open there. So yeah. yeah. And then now in New York, things are basically back to normal. Like there's curfews, but it doesn't really affect and like limits on how many people are there, but for doing spots in the city, like who cares? I guess if for a money thing, if you're, you know, if you only want to it for money, you make less money because there's less people there, but I don't know, whatever. Did you notice any kind of uh shift in audiences like how they were how they acted or well i didn't really have an audience before the pandemic so a shift in my audience is it's existent (laughs) 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 i like we're i'm like selling plates out now it's cool but before the pandemic 
I had just moved to America, right? Like I used to headline clubs in like Canada, but when I moved to America, I was just kind of, you know, I got past at a lot of clubs and I was just working, like doing that, right? I was doing like the New York club scene and yeah. that was only six months before the pandemic. So I was just kind of got past all the clubs. I was doing that stuff. I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't, I never toured. I've never toured America headlining clubs before I was doing it to people that came to see me. So I don't really know what the shift would be like, but probably in my guess would be in places like New York and more places like that. If people are more hesitant and more, but I'll tell you, I, I, cause I've not been worried about, uh, like COVID in that sense. I mean, you know, there's everything shut down. So it's not like you're doing much anyway, but I would, I was kind of like, you know, I don't, uh, just hanging out with my friends and stuff. Like I'm not worried about it. I wouldn't be like always washing my hands every second, like that guy. And I remember I did the stress factory in New Jersey and it was like a hundred people. And, and I did like a hanging out with people after. And that was the first time where like 80 people came up and they want to shake my hand. And I was like, yeah, I think that's, I've been telling everyone I'm not afraid, but I was like a little bit like, all right, this is a lot. I don't know if I'm <laughs> shaking 80 hands. Right. right. <laughs> so they don't care at all. You go to those places and everyone, you know, it's basically like it didn't exist. They, people in a lot of, I was in Tampa Bay like four months after, kind of near the beginning because they like never shut down. And we did a theater and you'd go to a bar and it would have a sign that said masks. I remember going up to the bar and just being like, oh crap, I can't find my mask. And the bouncer being like, yeah, I mean, this sign's just for show. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, yeah, I loved how I loved how Florida <laughs> how Florida They don't give a shit. Oh, it was amazing to watch them just yeah, just open up. Texas too. Uh no. But yeah, Florida Florida is definitely the the best place. You mentioned uh doing a theater. So when you're doing That wasn't um, with me though. That was there's this guy, Dick Masterson, he's got this big fall and he does a a once a year like uh he does not a stand up and he does a meet and greet with everyone. So it was me and Danny Polishuk and a few other dudes. So he basically put this event together with all people that he likes and stuff like that. And then sold out a theater, but it was a lot of, it was like people flying in and stuff like that. And I just, we did a set and a live podcast. It was kind of a different thing. I'm doing a uh, comedy clubs. That's awesome. But selling them out now, like that's, that's where a lot of them. The, yeah. 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 Basically that's it's kind of, uh, I, I I'm selling out clubs again, like, it's not full capacity, so it's not. But if I was doing like, for example, in like a place like Philadelphia, that's a pre pretty big, like metropolitan, like we sold out the shows and then added new ones. But then when I went to, uh, uh, where was Magoobies? Baltimore, but it's like outside of Baltimore, which is like smaller. You know, we sold out half the shows and half of them were, you know, decent. You know what I mean? Right, right. That's awesome, yeah. man. And are you uh, uh, like, how how is it for you now when people are coming specifically to see you? Because, uh, you know, when you're doing stand up just as a touring comedian and people are coming to just see comedy, it's probably a lot different than if people are specifically coming to see you. I think the main thing probably is you can work on new stuff easier because so you can kind of because I'm trying to ink out a system, you know, when I was before this, I was really very seriously like Thursday to Sunday, three shows a night. And, and so things are like very hectic right now. So with the when it's your audience, if, imagine you're just like headlining absolute and you did like a pack of new stuff in the middle of 10, you know, the, the club owners kind of like, what are you doing? You know, right. but if it's people that came to see you, they would be like, if they were like, what are you doing? You go, what the fuck do you care what I'm doing? Like these people paid to see, it's none of your business what they're doing, right? Right. So they don't, once it, you sold the tickets, it's none. Of, it's no one else's business what you do on the stage, kind of. Right. So you like, you would never get, they would go out of your age and being like, oh, he didn't do good. Like it doesn't matter. I mean, people come sell out these places that barely do stand up, it doesn't matter, right? So you, obviously you don't want people that come to see you to get a crappy show, but if you're confident in like, okay, I'll, let me work on new stuff and blah, blah, and then I'll kill at the end again and whatever you, you just have, I think you have more freedom to, uh, try things and actually work when it, when the people came to see you just strictly from, you have no one to answer to on that front. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's awesome, man. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, you, you mentioned a, an agent. Are you now with, uh, like, do you have American, management agent all that kind of stuff yeah 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 and what uh, was that 
what was that process like? Is that something where they saw you came to you or did you have to submit? What was that like? Dude, they're the, they all work in unison. Like literally probably when my, uh, as my numbers kind of went pretty high, I would say, you know, it would just be like, they all, they all the usual suspects kind of hit me up. And then I met with three of them. I started working with, uh, one guy for a second that was with manager. And then we kind of, uh, uh, I, I parted ways with them and then I've found an, and then I found another one, but I think the agent's more important than manager. Like I, I, I don't want to audition or anything like that. So agents probably the only real thing that you need, which is just, they book your shows. And I got a guy that's kind of cool and he has, he represents people that are a little bit troublemakers to some degree. So there's a less worry of, uh, always worrying if like things are going to piss them off or whatever. So none of that's a problem. Right. And then, uh, manager, I'm trying to, f I don't know. It's a weird thing in general because there's all these different worlds. Like there's the mainstream world and then there's the comedy world. And then there's sort of like the alternative, uh, industry and all of these things kind of operate differently. And YouTubers sort of operate in their own space and they sort of, their business model is becoming merch companies and doing sponsors. And then there's the, there's the industry people. Um, so I'm trying to figure out exactly what it was. I think that was the problem with the first people I signed with. They were just trying to like, they would just ask me to do stuff and I would kind of be like, okay, I'm not doing that. And then, but I will always feel, I, I even said that at the beginning. I'm just like, listen, I just don't want to like enter a relationship where I don't want to do what you want from me. And then I'm constantly telling you no, because it just, I don't, I don't like, it's like having a girl, like imagine you're busy five nights a week and you have a girlfriend that wants you to do stuff seven nights a week. At the beginning, you kind of need to be like, listen, like, I don't want to be in a scenario where every night I go to do stand up and every single night you're like, Ugh, you know what I mean? Right. And you kind of feel like that where they go, hey, you audition for this thing. And you go, listen, I told you I can't really, you know, uh, put those things in my schedule right now. And then they go, no, this one's really good. And I'm just like, I was just I don't want to have this conversation again. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of was. Uh, and you'd meet with people and then at first I would do it a little bit and I would leave the meetings because especially with the industry where I go, there's places that there's a lot of places that really like people like me right now where you kind of feel like you flourish. And then there's other places in the industry where you kind of feel like they don't even, you know, you're the last person they would want to work with. And then you, uh, you meet with these people and it's like, what am I doing this for? Like to, like I'm begging them for, I don't know. So right. it's just, uh, they it's like a lot of these pieces just like have a system and it fell apart a little bit and i think they're trying to figure out what to do with people like me as well but i i i don't have uh time to be part of like these people's experiments in the new industry <laughs> right can you give me a, an example of uh just sort of a nightmare meeting you had to sit through that you knew from the beginning this is this is not going to go well it was almost the opposite with these guys where they they i guess what i've seen is they sort of when someone's got like a buzz around them or whatever they sort of trot you around to do meetings with all the hollywood people or whatever right and a lot of comics i guess you know they might have meet produce uh meet you with or uh, introduce you to uh showrunners and, and directors and producers and people that you can kind of figure out but i'm like you know, I've made a bunch of TV shows and I've been a filmmaker forever. So I'm like, I don't need any of these people. Like I have a whole crew. And then, so I would meet with these, I met with some of the, the big production companies or whatever to potentially talk about doing a shows or whatever. And they were very like, Oh, we love this guy. you know what they're, they're kind of like laying it on thick. And then I, two or three of them I go you know these are the six ideas that were I've been circulating or that I'm kind of thinking about doing we're actually talking about making this movie we have like this you know I was, was I told them my story and it's very like oh so fun you know okay send us that pitch we love that you know what I mean then I'd send them and then afterwards I'd send them and then I'd message the manager I'd be like what what's going on with that and it would kind of be nothing I go oh that's that's just what this is they did that four times today 
You know what I mean? It was just, th that's what this game is. They just have to, which I, which is what it was in Canada. But when I moved here, I was like, well, I don't know. This guy seems pretty confident. Maybe it's different. But my instinct was to, I moved here to like not be part of that system. And then he was kind of like, no, this system loves you. And then you kind of meet with them all and you go, no, they don't. <laughs> they're just all, they're just pretending they do, you know? Right. And so, and that game is a lot of effort. I mean, you know, when you're busy, you go, Let's say you meet with someone and they like a pitch and you got to write it. It's like, that's a day. You know, how many times can you spend a day and to chase something that I don't need or whatever? So it's, I, I think one of the problems is, and I'm not in this category that I'm about to say, but a lot of people in America that kind of got successful in their own way, um, they're all rich now. You know what I mean? So before you take like a Comedy Central or something like that, if you got like a show deal it'd be, or whatever, like a show at, you know, Bell Media or something, it'd be a big deal, but really it's, you know, spend a lot of effort to make 200 grand or whatever. Maybe it gets canceled. You do a lot of bureaucracy or whatever. And you go, these deals are less appealing when these people are millionaires. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, Hey, Hey, do you want to take a huge pay cut to, you know, uh, fight against the grain, like every step of the way? And then right. maybe it not even be as successful as what you're doing already. So I think the incentives are all kind of like out of line with these places. So that's part of, uh, and they sort of look down on it. I heard an interesting comment from Pete Davidson, who uh, I see like around New York a little bit. And I think uh, he seems like a super nice guy, but he was said a com. I know he's like, a, he works, at, he's at SNL. And he's like, you know, star, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Right. And he was talking, he was at the Logan Paul fight and he was kind of like talking about Logan and Jake Paul. And he was saying, oh, real celebrities hate them. Like real celebrities look down upon them. Like they're nothing kind of thing. And it was interesting the way he put it. I was like, if you're 15, like you know who Logan Paul is just as much as him. But it's like, that's how they see it. Like one's better than the other where you go, you know, Logan Paul probably has more money. Like he maybe gets, maybe he has more reach. He might have more cultural relevance. Like, I don't even know what all the metrics are, but it's just this like old way looking down at this new thing. Like it's worse. And I go, I don't really know if that's true anymore. You know, if you said who are the most relevant comedians right now, I don't know if, you know, I, I guess you would probably come to mind people that, that are not really, you know, industry darlings at all. Yeah, I mean, in in that sense, like Andrew Schultz would would immediately come to my mind. Who is who is? Uh, yeah, he's the you best. know he same same type of deal. Like he he's talked a lot on different podcasts about not getting festivals and you know certain uh, you know Comedy Central premium blend any of those kind of stuff. Yeah, and and really made his own you know his own way on uh, on YouTube and is selling out huge venues now. Yeah, there's a lot of people like that, and I think that you know there's people can look at it any any different way i feel like a lot of people that i talk to they kind of like want you to pretend you're a victim you know everyone wants to be like oh it's hard for me and i guess it, everyone has their own version of it's hard for them right but um right. there's so many benefits to the fact that um it, i think i can't remember who said this but it's like there's always been you know the hot up-and-coming comic move to hollywood uh be like i'm too cool for school the same thing in bands like i don't need a major label like i'm gonna do it myself like you know screw that right and then the next thing i think it was it might have been whitney cummings talking about Patton oswald and she was you know that crew was like we're too cool for school and then you know now he's in ratatouille or whatever you know what i mean right. but <laughs> the difference is now that those people are aren't even being asked so it's easier to be cool and then you get to really it's like it's like you're super popular and the industry's like, ew, those guys. So it's it's not, it's, you're, before, you know, I've had those times in my life where, especially recently, where I'm just like, ah, oh, should I do that for money or whatever? And I, I try to have uh, principles or whatever to stick to what I want because then I, 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 I like lose it. But it's a lot easier when you're not having uh, millions of dollars offered to you. And especially since, so a lot of these people aren't being offered these things, which allows you to, by the time you are being offered, it's like you're so formed and you have money and you have all you have your whole setup that you you kind of don't need them anymore. I think that's happening, and then that was a little bit that, but I feel like more than ever, some of these people, by the time the industry wants them, it's like like I was saying, it's like you know they have a empire now. <laughs>
Oh, hey, what's up, guys? I hope you're enjoying this episode of Lease and Learned. Thank you for uh, being here. Thanks for watching the show. I'm just having a quick coffee break with Rampage Coffee, my favorite coffee in the world. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this company, but they're doing huge things. It's a husband and wife owned company. Canadian owned, Canadian made, baby. Owned by a husband and a wife together. They work together every day. Could you do that with your husband or your wife? A lot of you are shaking your head right now. You can't believe it. These people work together day in, day out. Delicious specialty coffee roasted fresh and delivered right to your doorstep. You can become a Rampage Coffee member and subscribe to get coffee delivered to you as often as you want at a discounted price. You can also earn rage points and use them to buy coffee and merchandise like this hat, this t-shirt here, which is, I love it. It's my new favorite shirt and a coffee mug with a gun on it. How many coffee mugs do you have that have a gun on the side? I bet the answer is zero because that was my answer before I got this. They've got a high caffeine blend that'll kick your ass in gear. They got medium, dark, and espresso blends espresso i always say espresso but it's espresso you can try all four of the blends in the sampler bundle i have tried it i recommend it and i recommend you get some head on over to their website right now get yourself some coffee right to your doorstep and a huge thank you to Rampage Coffee for sponsoring this episode of Lease and Learned. This episode of Lease and Learned is sponsored by the Big Fish Steak and Lounge in Sarnia, Ontario. One of my personal favorite restaurants in, in the world. I was gonna say in the country, but no, in the world. They have some of the greatest food I have ever had. Every single time I eat there, I think to myself, it will never get better than what I have just eaten. And the next time I go back, they top it once again. It's that good. If you live in the Sarnia area, make sure you book your reservation for lunch or dinner, or hell, book your reservation for both right now. Do it tonight. What are you gonna cook for dinner tonight probably something awful don't do that head on over to the big fish steak and lounge if you don't live in sarnia i suggest you make a trip down just for the food or if you're going to be in the area stop in and have one of the greatest meals you will ever have i want to uh talk a little bit too about your videos which are amazing first of all i i've seen tons of them they're awesome i i love the uh the man on the street ones especially um, oh nice thing yeah man they're, they're, i just find those absolutely hilarious and i'm curious what was the uh what was kind of the first one the first video that you saw um go viral or or do really well um that was the one I, I did this one i said who has nicer titties elizabeth warren or kamala harris and then these ladies came and like interrupted me and they were like yelling at me and uh i was kind of like trolling them and that was that that one like has like a couple million views in it right now or whatever that one went big but the reason one of the reasons so that stuff i was that was what i've been doing before any of this like even when i was in uh was young i was like releasing all these dvds doing that kind of stuff and then I did the uh, some like TV shows in Canada that was all bugging people on the street stuff. So when I came to America, I was I didn't really know anyone. I didn't have my film because then I went moved and I was making sketches and all that sort of stuff. But when I moved to America, I didn't really know people. I didn't have a, a collective of filmmakers that I've spent my entire life, you know, uh, building or whatever. Right. So I was just kind of figured, well, what could I do? And that seemed like, OK, I, I know how to do this bugging people on the street thing. So it felt like a easy thing to do in the absence of having like a network of people. So that's why I, that was one of the reasons I thought that would be a, a good thing for me to do to kind of build when I moved here. And then when did you uh, start, start with the, the more sketch style? I did. I, so that stuff was kind of doing well. And then I did uh, all my clips were like, going, all my stand up was going viral on TikTok a lot. And so I go, okay, well now there's a big enough audience between people because people in America were kind of 
uh, pushing people to my platform and the podcast circuit or whatever. And people were very uh, embraceive to me or whatever. So I felt like between all that stuff, I had enough audience now to, uh, you know, maybe launch something. So then I started, I did like a string of eight or nine sketches just for TikTok. They were pretty, like in one day, I filmed them all in one day. And then one of them did like 200,000 or whatever. And then after all that, then I had like 10,000 subscribers on all my things. Then I go, okay, I'm just going to now, I'm just going to do exactly what I was doing in, in Toronto. I felt like I was at a place where I, even if no matter, like no matter what I was going to do, like 20,000 people were see it, which is enough for it to go viral if it was good. So I kind of uh, went back to doing, I kind of slowly just introduced all the things that I was doing in Canada back into what I was doing here. And then I think the first big one was this one that said I was, uh, I said I was selling footage to Fox News and CNN and I was selling them like different parts. Yeah. And that one did really good. And then there was this other one, the uh, Wokes and Racists, and that one kind of like, did wait that was the biggest one but there were two or three before that that kind of uh helped like build the channel because when that one went viral i already had like fifty thousand subscribers or something right the uh the i love that character the guy uh that's like being interviewed you know like you're talking you're talking <laughs> off camera about all the things that <laughs> all the things that you're doing and the cnn the cnn versus fox news one i thought was absolutely i, I think they're all hilarious but thank you I, there's something about the way you play that character because you it's because it, you can just picture that guy like being <laughs> a real person do you know what i mean yeah I try. it doesn't yeah, yeah. appreciate it it's, no, it's, I, it's it's great i've said that's what i think a lot of people try to uh, uh, whatever uh, to say that what I'm doing is talking about politics, but it's, yeah, it's what you said. It's always people. That's why it's the same when I was doing videos with the hard times about like punk and musicians and stuff like that. Or then when I was, I did my CBC show about Toronto, Toronto stuff. And then I kind of did the same thing here about, you know, the culture that we live in now, wherever, where everyone's very, uh, you know, jazzed up about politics. So it's, I'm always, yeah, talking about the kind of person and what, what they would do. And I think that, uh, that's one of the things that I was always critical of in other people's stuff that was mainstream where they would kind of make fun of something. And it was like, no, you don't know that guy. You hate that guy. So it's like, they're, they're just like, they're doing right. an impression of someone that they hate. Whereas, I feel like I, I don't like hate any of these people. I'm just kind of like, I feel like I a little bit know the motivations or I'm able to, uh, that's why it's like some people call you a flip flopper. Cause even on my podcast, I kind of will always like take different sides or I'll switch my opinion. And then people that want to weaponize you will call you like a flip flopper. But it's, if anything, that's when, when I'm writing scripts, you're doing the voice of different people. And if one of those people you kind of understand and you get what they're coming from and the other person you're a caricature of, then your things aren't going to be good. Right. Right. So it's like, if you're, if you're writing an argument between like a guy and his girlfriend, the girlfriend can't just be saying stupid stuff that doesn't make sense. And the guy's like, right. You sort of need to be able to understand both the people. So I think that, uh, the best people are sort of able to, do that what are they i guess it would be like when you steal man people's arguments or whatever when you kind of actually understand where they're coming from as opposed to like saying what you're like not uh generous version of what you think they think is yeah that's <clears throat> that's what i like most about about those uh the videos and especially the guy because there's there's a couple of them right where you're being interviewed um as a as a guy you know, talking, talking about something that you're doing, the Fox news and the, and the CNN one is, is, is the, the perfect example where it doesn't come across to me as something political um, where it's like, you know, to, cause I don't, I don't give a shit about politics at all. I don't care who's president or prime. Like, I don't yeah, but it became intertwined with culture. So, you know, yeah, kind of what happened. And then the people and then it, the 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 people like that guy, that that character just seems like a genuine, like, you know, per person that would actually do this. And that's what I think is genius about it. Yeah, because if you think of like even take something like QAnon or whatever, right? Like whether it's right or wrong isn't funny. But the fact that your aunt is like really, really into it is funny. Right. Just, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And yeah. it's like to me, it's you know, it's not that funny that you don't like Trump, but it is 
funny that that's your entire identity. Like to me, that's yes. funny that you're or, or that you love Trump, whatever it is. The fact that, you know, this guy became your entire like world that that's that's like that's funny to me. So yes. I think that it always goes back to the person. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love a good I love a good character like a re I love a good real person who cares so much about something that they'll <laughs> caring do some, a lot is funny. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> if they're re if it's real, especially like if it's a real person who is yeah. like really fucking gung ho on something and uses a term like gung ho. Uh, I'm, I love that, man. I don't think there's anything funnier. And that's what I love about. Totally. Cause as soon as you get religious about anything, it's impossible not to be hypocritical right. and not that we aren't all hypocrite hypocrites, but as soon as you're he this, no matter what it's, imp it's impossible for you to not, uh, be a hypocrite in some way because something's going to prove a part of it wrong. And you can't it, like, there's no, it doesn't matter. I'm this, no matter what it's just with anything, right? Like anyone that's a diehard Justin Bieber fan and that's the, they'll die for him. Like, that's funny. <laughs> right. But with the so politics good. stuff, I think I was doing those like two sided videos for like I was doing, I did a lot of that because people always kind of say, it's like, Oh, so you're saying both sides are right. And I was like, no, I was saying that people that become, uh, indoctrinated into either side or losers kind of is more what I was saying. Right. But that was a side because if you were, if the mainstream side is you have to think this system of things and you go, oh, you guys are both bad. Like you might as well just say you're on the other side as far as they're concerned because right. it's like a, there's a lot of you're with us or against us mentality. Yeah. The, um, when you're, when you're writing these, are you, because I, I know uh, Danny Polischuk, who's a terrific comedian, and he's in uh, a few of these with you as well. I love the way you guys interact with each other, too. I think your chemistry is amazing. Thanks. Um, are you guys writing them together? Is it the two of you? Do you have like a team or how does how does the writing process work? Danny does my podcast with me right now, the boys cast with Ryan Long, and uh, he's on tour with me and he's in most of the sketches. But the, in terms of the actual production, I just uh, so I do one a week and I write and direct and edit them and everything. That's awesome, man. Then yeah, it's, a, like it's a bit of a grind, but I'm getting I'm because we're doing other especially with all the other stuff like we're trying to make a movie right now. And then I was touring for a full month. So it is like difficult. I'm trying to figure out. Uh, but it's. I, I, so I'll do, you know, three at a time. So I, I, I had my best system was I, I did four in two days and then I edited them. So I did four sketches in one week, but that was my whole week. And I was kind of like, all right, if I could get this system down. So it is kind of tough, but I can't really just hire an editor or whatever, because that's kind of the whole thing is the way that I edit them and everything. So it's, it's tough to, it's tough to like expand out. If this was a podcast or even talking to camera, whatever it is, you could kind of hire a team and expand it. But I think for what I'm doing, it kind of has to have me involved in the editing because it's just as much of the comedy as the the writing and the filming. Yeah. And, it, it, and you know, I think that's important, too, is the the amount of effort and time and energy that goes into that, because I think a lot of a lot of people might look at what you're doing or whatever and just think, people probably think a lot of things, whether it, you know, they don't realize how much time and, you know, uh, writing and all that kind of stuff that goes into it. So, you know, it's, I think that's really, uh, and, and amazing for you that you're willing to put that time, effort and energy. in. like, it's not, this isn't luck. You know what I mean? This is, this is hard work. Yeah. Gas. Yeah. I just, I mean, you just play your like, try not to think about it too much because then it's you know i mean you're this how you with stand up i'm sure where you go when you start it's like oh this is a lot so i write every day and then i go every night and then you got to come up with new. it's like it's hard but eventually it just becomes kind of part of your system so i think it does help to give yourself the boundaries like i said i do one a week because it's there's lots of times where i'm like i could probably do another one this week and there's then you know put another sponsor make more money or you know build your channel more and uh go viral whatever it is right especially if something's hot but it's like i, I try to uh, if you put the boundaries on, I feel like that helps in terms of being a hard worker where you go, I do this one thing a week, I do this, and then maybe I do interviews on this day and you try to uh, put like structure on the whole thing. I feel like that makes it more, at least it doesn't just seem like an endless, endless supply because stand-ups already never ends. 
So uh, everything can't just be, you can always do more. Cause I think that's like a, un, a, not a great place to sort of not a good space for your brain to be where it's like, there's never a moment of, I couldn't be doing something else. Whereas like, if you have, this is what I do this week, you can finish it. And then you go, okay, well maybe I will work on stand up. The one thing that I kind of don't have caps on, but yeah, no, even when people, uh, a lot of people don't like, uh, the you know troublemaker people that are kind of going against what you're supposed to say or whatever and i it wasn't about me but they were talk. someone was talking about them and they were like those guys are what's wrong with comedy and it was just like so funny to me I, they weren't talking about me but it was like you know i was felt it they right. were you know and i was just like dude i like write three hours a day i like film every week i spend two hours editing and then i do stand up five nights a week i'm touring we're making a movie i've released uh hundreds of hours of content and i go yeah we're what's wrong <laughs> I mean, yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're, you're the, problem. the problem yeah it's like, yeah fucking troublemaker with your goddamn scheduling and your hard work i think yeah a little bit but i don't know it depends you just gotta look at your personality i think i have a decent personality for uh working myself to the bone whereas some people probably wouldn't want that and you've always been like, you've always been a hustler. Like I've, I've known of you even before I met you, I knew of you just from your shows here, stand up, like being everywhere, like always at different clubs and stuff. I mean, that, that goes, that's way before now that goes, you know, that goes uh, a long yeah. way back. So, um, and you start, did you start in a band? Did you start? Yeah. yeah. When I was like, uh, like 20, I was in a, pretty popular band called the Johnstones in Canada. Right. The Johnstones. Yeah. And so you guys were touring like you must have been touring uh, then, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we were pretty. The band was we were on like the MTV countdown and stuff. So we sort of had like a moment where it was pretty popular. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. There's certain people that I don't know why, but I, there's there's a lot more. A lot of them in L.A. especially, but where you just kind of uh you think you can do everything i guess like i never you know you kind of are just like when i was a kid i was like oh yeah i want to be in a popular band i'll do that and then you go you know what i want to have a tv show okay you know i think i'm gonna do stand-up i'm gonna do that and you actually just stand up then you're like oh yeah this is a whole thing it's gonna take 10 years but i kind of <laughs> same i felt like new york i kind of felt like saw what was going on i'm like yeah i want to go like be part of that and i don't know so i think i always maybe uh you obviously make changes because the thing changes and where you fit in better probably um it depends on like outside things but yeah i think there's some uh something to be said about just follow through where it's like you're not like oh maybe i can do this where it's i don't know i feel like if i felt like i want to start a company if i go you know i want to start a restaurant i feel like i could do that even though i don't know anything about restaurants i feel like i just think i could do things right <laughs> but you're also doing them you know <laughs> yeah. You think you you think you can, then you do them. I mean, that's that's you know, I think that's where a lot of people fail is they 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 might think they want to do something, but then they'll immediately talk themselves out of it in some way. Like somebody might go, "I want to make a, I want to do a video every week." Oh, I have to. Oh, I have to film it. Oh, I have to write it, film it, edit it all of myself. What? But what about? two and a half men, you know, like, when am I going to watch that? I don't know. If, and you, know, you go and, for what? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's the, the, that like decision paralysis thing too. Right. Cause there's this thing where, especially when you're in your twenties, it's kind of like, well, what if I pick the wrong thing? And it's like, it doesn't matter what thing you pick. You're going to get better at the other things from doing something, you know? So I think, yeah, yeah I probably look back and I go, the amount of, time i wasted doing it wrong but you got better because of that and you don't do it again so i think there is that it's like to stand up i i feel like i always bring everything back to stand up because it is such like a pure the purest like art form or whatever but i'm yeah. at, how, how many nights have you gone out where you like worked for three hours on something took it to the stage and you go oh this is nothing you know what i mean so then yeah. if you get in your head well, you know, I, that show might be crappy or like there might be no worth it or this might not be worth right. It's like anything could be not worth it, but then until it's not. And in all of the part of all of that stuff is, you know, if you're going to start a business, maybe it's the third one or whatever. But I think it's probably always doing is better than not doing. That's some Gary Vee shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was edging on some Gary Vee stuff right there. <laughs> 
<laughs> are you a Gary V fan? No. No? <laughs> I like those t Silicon Valley guys. I like, uh, I probably listen to it less now because I, but I, I, I liked Tim, Tim Ferriss. He like oh, yeah, a four yeah. hour work week guy. Yeah. Him and I, I, I like James Altucher who now I, th that was kind of cool about moving to America. It's some of the people that I've known for a while, I'm kind of like friends with now or whatever. Like James, he was, uh, like he owns a comedy club and he has a big podcast and all this stuff. And I, I've read all his books and he was, he reached out being like, Oh, you're super funny and do the podcast. And I was like, Oh yeah, dude, I'm like a huge fan of yours. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of people like that. And that was kind of cool. But I thought that he had a book, choose yourself, which is kind of, yeah, the, the title sounds kind of corny, but it was all, I felt like those guys were very good at teaching like a new way of thinking. It's like, Kind yeah. of like when university's at its best, it teaches you like how to think instead of just like what to think. But the I, I, the best way to describe it was, I've I've had a lot of problems where, let's say even just with um, your friends or whatever, where you where you go, all right, am I okay? You know what? I think I have a slot Thursday. Like maybe we'll hang out, and it's kind of like you're the people will be like, what? So you're slotting me in, and there's this element of you're kind of becoming a robot and then i think those guys kind of opened up the idea of like well yeah you ideally you kind of make those decisions like intrinsically as opposed to always putting them on graph paper and but you do have to think of things like that you know how many you have to decide who you want to be like how many hours a week do i want to socialize like how many nights a week do i want to spend with my chick how much stand-up do i want to do whatever it is but the idea that y'all yeah, that should just happen naturally is uh, is for people that it doesn't happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that I, I, I don't know if permission is the right word, but I think those guys kind of opened me up to the idea of like, okay, yeah, but you know what? Like I want to, I wanted to do stand up Thursday. Thir I'm going to do stand up Wednesday to Sunday, I think is what I was doing when I was in Toronto. And then when you make those decisions, like something would come on a Tuesday, it'd be like, oh, with this show, and you go, oh, you know, maybe I should do that. I go, no, I don't, I just don't do stand up on Tuesdays. That's not what I do. And then I honestly started getting so much more productive and so much better when I started actually putting like limits on what I do. And, uh, you know, here's when I, this is the night I hang out. This is the night I do this. And how much am I going to call my mom? Like all those things sound crazy to think about, but they really, you know, if you go make sure you do this, make sure you call your mom once every two weeks, make at the very least, you know, then right. you at least then they're then you get them all done. And yeah, but it feels a little it feels a little gross, but I it's I don't know if there is another way to do it. I don't think so. And I think, you know, every, anything I've ever heard about success uh, or, you know, from successful people, discipline is always their number one um usually the number one thing and that goes right hand in hand with scheduling if you create a schedule uh stay disciplined within that schedule and and actually do the things that are on your to-do list and actually schedule time for each thing then you're way more likely to be uh you know successful at whatever it is that you're trying to do so i i think that is the way to to do any of this yeah, I think so too. They're just you just have to figure those things out to some degree or else your life's just going to constantly be a mess. Yeah. And I <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, especially the the world where you're you know, have something due every week and every like there's there's almost no way to do that without being uh a little robotic about your systems. <laughs> so even Alta even with the scripts like so I want my you know, you want your videos to be good, like I don't want it to suck, but I won't I think about all these, so I think about everything, but then once I crack how I'm going to do, I won't spend more than two hours writing a script. So I th do two hours, write the script, and then I film the script and I won't spend more than a day editing. So I, when I sit down to edit, I'm like, I'm not going to be doing this tomorrow. Like this is going to be exported tonight and that's just that. So maybe it could have been better, but uh, uh, that's allows you to do more things or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And it also eliminates the, you know, the, the very small details, like, you know, looking at everything a hundred times where you're, you yeah. end up spending two days on something that you could have done in a few hours and gotten it out. And I think that's a great way to do it.
Yeah, the South Park guys in their Seven Days to Air, those guys are have the system. I think the one guy is a little more messy, and the Trey Parker is kind of the the hold the ship together guy. It seemed like, and yeah. he was saying it's the same. That's why they they were very. We only do them in the Seven Days to Air. We only do it in the week, right? Or whatever, however many days to air it was. I can't remember exactly, but the. Was it seven? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Was it seven I, or four? I do, and I think it's seven, yeah. I think it was seven. Yeah, but they that go, sounds Yeah, it sounds, sounds right. right. <laughs> yeah, sounds right. But they said, yeah, he was like, you know, you could spend 95% of the time to make it 5% better. But once it once it works, like, I, it's kind of binary a little bit. You know, same with, like, jokes where you go, it was... It's not like you make it 1% better. It's like, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, then it works. And once yeah. it works you can toil forever to make it a little bit better. So I always kind of, I, I won't, sh sh I won't, if my script doesn't work, I won't film it. But like once it works, then then you gotta be able to be quick with it, I think. Until it works, if it doesn't work, you weren't ready to make it, you know? Do you have a favorite uh, sketch that you've done so far? Just as, not not as far as like what it did views or or any of that stuff, but just one that you, as you were writing it, when it was done, you're like, I, I really, I, th I think this is really great. The ones that I like the best don't do the best because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know how the internet is, That's like the things the that way, do the yeah. best. Yeah, the things that, but but a lot of times comics will will like them the best. But I don't. I, I'll tell you what always makes me laugh the most, probably in general, is. Uh, the gassing guys up. Like whenever I find a guy and I, I've done this like two or three times where I, I, even when I'm editing, it's like makes me chuckle so much. But like when you find a guy that's like bragging about how many girls he slept with and I'm just like, dude, that's so sick. Like, I love that like game or whatever you want to call it, where it's, you get a guy and he's like, he's like, yeah, I slept with that girl. And you're like, what dude, that's so sick. And then, yo, you probably had sex with tons of girls. He's like, yeah. And you get them like bragging. That always makes me laugh. <laughs> and then and then I had a guy that he was weird about he's saying he's not gay and then I don't even remember how it got there but he was like yeah I know people thought I'm gay but I'm not gay and I'm like me too dude it's like I'm we're not gay it's like just a couple guys that aren't gay it's like so weird that people think we're gay we're not gay <laughs> like just guys like <laughs> that are afraid that everyone thinks they're gay is always funny to me yeah so that I think that that kind of shit Always, uh, like probably the more silly stuff always uh, makes me laugh. And then costumes, anything with costumes I like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always like to, especially people always make fun of me, like my chick will make fun of me. Is like all all your characters are like the same guy with like a different hat or whatever. Like I, I just do the exact same thing because it's all about the writing really. But it's right. all, they're all the exact same, but you know, but I, it's this same guy dressed as a banana this time or whatever, right? <laughs> Or a cop or whatever it is. So I, I think that I like, I don't know, costumes always make me laugh where it's just, even when we're filming, it's kind of just, you're standing there and you're just like, something's just like intrinsically funny about the music I'm putting to, back to these grown men just standing in these costumes. So a lot of times that like bone funniness or like, you know, like Garrett Jameson, that's why I always loved working with him. Oh yeah. Because those guys, I don't think I have that, maybe a little, but not as much as certain people just have that. I just filmed a sketch with this guy, Ian Fidance here, and he has that same quality. And my friend Max used to have it too, where any they, they can do, they can be outrageous and it doesn't seem like they're overacting, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Whereas if I, if I like have, if I act like I'm like flipping out, it just seems like I'm overacting. And certain right. people, they just have so much funniness in their bones and they sort of look like a character, I guess, too, that like they could be rolling around and it does, you wouldn't be like, all right, like it's actually works. So there's yeah. certain people, those filming with those guys always make me laugh where it's like they can yell in everyone's face in, have a big flip out and be knocking over tables. And you're act, it's actually funny. It just doesn't seem like they're they're overacting. So that's probably my favorite whenever I'm working with that type of guy. And then I like write the script where they're like over the top. It always makes me laugh. <laughs> Do you get a lot of people that um, send you messages or leave comments thinking you are the character that you are playing like they think <laughs> no, that that's you think so. no no okay good i get a lot of people sending me messages with script ideas for and, and i'm not kidding like 10 a day a lot really yeah have I, you I, ever I, seen one that was good yeah that you were like this this could work two i saw two there were two from the same guy believe it or not but one was already made so i'm not i, I, I would say 
at this point over a thousand because legitimately 10 a day um over across platforms how many people send me them and they're always they're always missing something they're always just one dimensional like there's not more to it but the uh one guy sent me an idea for a script and then i was like that's pretty funny and i made it into a street interview and as i'm saying it before i say it there's this is the problem with the internet is i look back at things i did six months ago and i'm like oh why would i make that but the that's because especially when you're part of the cultural conversation and you're trying to be like ahead of it you said it maybe i said it when it was when i thought it was like an itch that no one said yet and then that kind of gets in the in the realm of public opinion or whatever and then maybe some other people you know it's not obviously taking credit for like changing culture maybe like one or twice in my life maybe but the it, you know like i did a like a bass player support video and that kind of becomes a like a little pin of that culture or whatever right but right. the but then then it becomes almost a mainstream then it becomes if it's the, if if it catches on it becomes mainstream whereas now if you made that joke now you're like really you're saying that now so a lot of times you look back and it seems almost hacked, but at the time it, I feel like it wasn't. Maybe sometimes it was, but this guy s sent me a video saying that uh, diversity in torture chambers would be funny. And then I did like a street interview saying that they need more female torturers and like advanced interrogation and stuff like that. And I got girls kind of like saying that they, the end, there should be more girls that girls could torture too or whatever. That was the kind of the idea. But, um, since then the CAA released her thing saying like, we're really diverse or whatever. So that joke kind of became like an internet meme now. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, so now I would, wouldn't want to make that because it would feel like, uh, over treaded water or whatever. Have you during the street interview uh, videos you've done, have you ever have you ever had someone like just a crazy reaction from someone or has anybody ever tried to physically attack you or any anything outrageous like that? Um, no, not that I can think of. No, there was uh, when I was doing the. I'm I'm a little less crazy now than I was when I was younger. I was talking to this guy, Danny Mullen, about this because you kind of get less wild as you get older, but hopefully you get better at a rate that like offsets it. So it's like, I'm funnier and I have more tricks in my bag and I, you know, quicker on my feet. But, uh, I don't, whereas when I was before me and my friends used to do on all the getting kicked out of places, like one of our only gags was like, Hey, let's go to like a store and cause trouble and tell the security guard kicks us out. And you know what I mean? So when we were in that game, I was like a regular component of it. And I got really, I had all these techniques where like cops would come and I knew how to uh, take the card out of the camera really quickly and replace it with another one and then show them that I was deleting the files in front of them. Like, but I used to be able to do it like behind my back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, you used to get good at all that stuff. But in that game, it was kind of always, but it, I would always roll with two or three people. So it would, uh, it, it would be a little, um, less unsafe but now the street interviews are getting a little harder especially in new york because a lot of people like know who i am now and i don't do costumes so i go to union square and it's not that everyone knows who i am or anything it's that like a group of five guys will and then they'll like stand there and watch oh, and then i yeah. have to literally be like hey like what's uh, you know i can't do this with you watch. but you do that it just like all that's i hate just all that stuff just sucks and i didn't even really uh, I never loved doing the, like, cause I'm 35 now. I didn't love doing the street interviews that much anyway, but it kind of popped off and I get a lot of messages like do more street interviews. But a part of me is like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. It is hard. Yeah. You do that and people like kind of, you know, come it, or all, I've had this happen a bunch where I was bugging someone on the street and then someone else will come up and be like, Hey, yo, it's Ryan long. And I'm just like, dude, I'm trying to pretend I'm doing like a project for my university. Like, and then they like blow up the whole thing or worse. I had a guy that I was bugging and he was like a little too on the nose. And then I'm like, Oh, you know who I am. And he was like, yeah, I'm playing along. And you're just uh, like things like that. Right. So I might need, I might have to get into like disguises. <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, that's what everyone else does. Like the, you know, whatever, all the other people that do this, they have all these disguises kind of. So is that how you get, is that how you get people to talk to you? Is it, or, or was I like just walk would... up and ask uh, mostly just, 
I, I, I think I'm I'm like tall too, so I'm like a little menacing. But right. I just come up and I'll go, hey, what's the blah, blah, blah. And I think if it's the right question, uh, you sort of, I think there was this old, it's the art of clowning is what they call this whole like bugging people on the street stuff, right? But the trick, there's a lot of the trick is to ask them questions where a non, not replying is like, let's just say this wouldn't be a street interview question, but if I said, are you racist? Not replying implies you're racist. Do you right. know what I mean? <laughs> so you can't be like, no comment on that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, right. why would you say no comp? So that, that would be like an extreme one. There wouldn't be a question, but there's a lot of questions where you sort of put people in a, uh, a situation where it's like more awkward for them not answer than it is to answer. Maybe. So you, yeah. I mean that, or sometimes you don't even have to, sometimes you just, people are, uh, happy to talk. Sometimes they walk over to you. You know what I mean? They're like, what are you guys going, going on here? But yeah, there's I, a bunch of different ways. Have you ever had someone go, go really hard on something that you had, to, that you couldn't, uh, that you couldn't even put out where you were just like, this is a little too I'm more too conscious now that because, so if I, I sketches do more, but I would say every, uh, video I do, probably let's say a street interview that doesn't even do well probably does like three or four hundred thousand people or whatever watching it so i'm like conscious of i don't want to like ruin someone's life so i don't like that's another reason why i'm like it's a little less fun now because even like you know Al ali g who i honestly think is the best that ever did this but he was doing those um he was doing the kind of like finding people on the streets and kind of making them seem racist and making them look racist or maybe they were racist or whatever. Right. Or making yeah. them really like blow up something that, that ruined their life. Yeah. And I guess I'm like, I don't know for just, I don't want to like ruin someone's life where they get fired from their job or something. Cause I, so I, I won't make someone look bad to the point where I think it'll ruin their life, but uh, maybe, uh, or or uh, kind of like try to misrepresent them because it feel just because like feels kind of mean or something. Right. Yeah. Do you do you have to make them? Do they have to sign something from? Not you really or? for the internet because it's like consent. Like, it's if it was hidden camera, it's a little um, sketchier. And I yeah. don't know the exact rules, but when you're doing hidden camera, a lot. That's why there was like on YouTube a lot of hidden camera sh channels were getting killed because the legality is a little more complicated but if if you walk up to someone and answer them questions and they answer interview questions in front of a camera like the consent's implied you can't be like i didn't know you were filming it's like well you did though right right yeah. like you're, there's a camera in front of us and you're talking into a microphone so the consent there's implied but there's all these things are a, a little wishy-washy right it's all based on like precedent of what what the last case was and what the last uh judge ruled then i mean I, ideally i don't want to be in court period <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th that's that's good to avoid in general is is any type yeah. of uh, court appearance it's all very complicated like the the satire law uh i remember i learned a lot about this when i was doing my other show of like what you can show and what you can't but it's it's still wishy-washy and if you don't have like i have a lawyer now and i've called him for like a few things or whatever but it is um like if someone sends you a cease and desist and they're gonna sue you you're like even if i'm wrong like do i want to deal with this like i don't know it's or even if they're wrong so it's i don't know you got to play it case by case or whatever try to somewhat operate into what you think is the laws <laughs> <laughs> But also I try to operate in like a little bit of do I want to live with, you know, I don't do I, I just don't want to karma of like getting some guy fired from his job, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. For, yeah, that's that's good. To, good to avoid for sure. <laughs> you don't want to you don't want a bunch of people messaging you like, dude, yeah, I just got fired because of you. Yeah. Yeah. So usually if I'm making people look stupid, like they're still saying points that are like you're allowed to say I maybe I'm just kind of trying to wrap them in circles or it's the opposite where it's just them like bragging about fucking chicks or some weird shit like that that might be like kind of embarrassing but it's never anything where like if them saying this on camera is going to ruin their life I don't think well listen man uh I really appreciate you doing this I I've, I've had a great time chatting with you Thanks, and I appreciate yeah, you uh 
Yeah, was, I wish I could was, come back. I honestly like I'm like so pumped for when they open up to just kind of go back to the Toronto comedy scene and like you know do spots and it, it kind of it just sucks that it hasn't been able to happen. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's. it's are you knows? are you in uh, like just outside of London right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm inside of London right now. Oh, you're now, like but... are you in the city of London, like downtown? Yeah, but that's that's where you live. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for now. Live- like right outside. Okay. Yeah, I was in LA last year when uh, when everything happened, and we did you stay there for a while? I did. Yeah, we, we things shut down, and then I stayed there till uh, uh, right at the end of March, and then oh, that's way um, better. Yeah, me and the me and the guy that usually opens for me, his name's Ty Wright. He right. we were going to be touring, and we had like eighty shows canceled in uh, in March, like all over the U.S. So then we uh, we just came back here and just kind of regrouped and then i'm going back to the u.s again in uh, september oh nice dude and yeah. you're gonna go to la uh all over i'm gonna tour a bunch of places but ultimately oh you're gonna go on the road in la yeah and in, in, in america nice yeah. dude and then back to la for sure i i felt like i was really i felt like i was really kind of uh not I, I wouldn't say picking up steam but i was making a little bit of leeway there yeah just just networking and stuff getting getting some good contacts and and then this happened yeah yeah so and, and it was like it everything there shut down right like pretty much right away in and the they shot it right and, down too <laughs> oh yeah yeah absolutely um not like texas no not at all not at all like texas no uh, yeah. And then w- we ended up having shows in places that all like we had Michigan and Colorado and uh, Wyoming, like a bunch of places that ended up just shutting down for at least the times we were supposed to do the shows. And then the over the course of the year, a few places aren't in business anymore. And then we're, we're yeah. just figuring out the other stuff. But well, dude, if you could, you have the, the best format for, for doing, uh, internet stuff. I mean, the, like if you could get your YouTube channel popping because you do crowd work all the time, like every show you do is three clips. Like you, you have this, the ultimate system, like that, the crowd work guys are the YouTube standups built for you. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing, we've, we've been doing it now pretty consistently for about a year and a half, like trying to release. Yeah. No, I've seen on Facebook, a a lot of them doing really well. Yeah. I was just talking about that the other day where it's like, people were like, Oh, why are all these comedians doing crowd work now? It's like, well, because writing three minutes of stand up uh, takes uh, maybe a month and a half and writing three months of crowd work takes three minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's exactly right. (laughs) That's great, man. Well, uh, better. Yeah. Again, thank you for being here. If if, uh, people want to subscribe, the YouTube channel is Ryan long and Ryan long uh, comedy. Ryan Long Comedy, and then where uh, where can people find you on social media? It's all at Ryan Long Comedy, and then the podcast is The Boys Cast with Ryan Long. Perfect, man. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations, dude, on on all Thanks, the success. Brother. It is. Yeah, I hope uh, to see you soon. It's fantastic, and all of your stuff is just killer, man. I I love it. So I appreciate that, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah.